Hmm. It was brought to my attention today that I maybe should have had a little bit more activity so that my patience of an ant didn't (laughs) uh, kick in so early in the morning because I hit (laughs) the ground running. Like my eyes are open before they're open. I visualize myself doing everything before I do it. And while I'm sitting doing something, I'm already pretty much done that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Joe, Dr. Energy Piazza. Rara is in the house. Catherine Asaro Myers. Welcome back to BU Network Podcast, conversations worth having. On our podcast, you can expect three things. One, the BU guest moment. Two, the BU moment. And three, the BU final moment. As promised... We are giving you a very special Audible on each show. Your job, well, not your job, it's to find it. You know the game Where's Waldo? Well, here we will ask you to listen for that Audible. Dr. Energy, are you there? I am here. I have a very interesting question for you today. Okay. I'm game. Okay. I was just looking to see where you were at. Does it make sense for us to start our podcast with a joke and laughing or a fun fact? What do you think? I think that's a fun way to start a podcast. Okay. Well, I was watching Sebastian Maniscalco. Mm. And as you know, I like to watch him in my pastime. People, really people don't come over anymore. They just they don't just knock on your door and say, "Hey, we're here. We're in the neighborhood." <laughs> exactly. And he's doing this like live, you know, live yeah, yeah. Instagram yeah. every day. And he and his wife, he was sitting in the living room, and he was waiting for his wife, and he's whispering into his phone going, she's in the bathroom. I don't know what she's doing. I hear the water running. What is she doing in there? And when she comes out, he's, he's filming her and she's like, what are you doing? You told me you'd be right out. And they're talking to each other. And she said, look, I feel really bad that you were looking at me like that. I took a shower, I washed up, I changed. And so they were talking about like a real life situation and right. they kept the recording going. And then he like goes into the phone and he said, I feel terrible the way I look. I should really change. And he's doing real life. And what I love about it is it's not rehearsed hmm. because she doesn't know about it. <laughs> and then he catches her and she's such a sport about it. And I was thinking, imagine if I did that. David comes out of the bathroom and I've got you know the camera on him asking him, so you know, what were you doing in there so long? Like I don't even know if the answer that he would give me would be something I'd want to be recording. I think that would be putting him on the spot majorly. Yeah. I don't have that kind of life, but it amazes me. I guess when you're the life of a comedian, it amazes me that you can actually do that and be ready for it. And it's yeah. got to bring laughter and joy into his wow. life, even though he's doing it for whatever reasons he's doing it. I'm assuming that's who he is. Right. It's, you know, the, I've really enjoyed, you know, I always used to like the Seinfeld television show. Right. And, and as we know, Seinfeld was a show about nothing, right. It was just daily observations about different people and that sort of thing. And, 
I, I've been watching Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, and he does an episode actually with Sebastian Maniscalco, and it was very, very funny. And I think that the, and Jerry says, at one point says, you know, I only like to hang around with comedians because they all see the world differently than quote unquote normal people, right? They, they actually can see humor in situations that some of us might not find the humor or they find something funny about a particular situation or their observation. And I think, you know, for me, I think, you know, being around that all the time, I think it would be a, a lot of fun, but at the same time, I think it might get on your nerves a little bit as well. If you're not, so <laughs> you don't have that perspective on life or openness to that perspective. And, you know, Sebastian Maniscalco is just hilarious. I remember watching a bit that he does. I kind of teased it there about people coming over to visit you, mm. both of us being Sicilian, mm. you can appreciate this, how your grandmother would always have a Sara Lee cake or a Pepperidge Farms cake in the freezer and say, don't touch that. That's for when company comes. Right. And then you'd have the Nescafe <laughs> or the, or, or the Sanka in instant coffee ready to go to serve your guests if they just pop by right and it's just and he does this whole bit about that and and how it contrasts with now when people come over and, and back in the day people would knock on the door and you'd open it hey we were in the neighborhood we thought we'd stop by it's been a while right now somebody knocks on the door everybody hits the floor like oh my god somebody's on somebody knocked at the door nobody moved they might see us you I know, love that, that. so there's a whole different in in that sort of um situation now than there was you know, when we were kids and he, and he, he I mean, he, I don't do it justice. You'd have to go and watch him do it. It's, it's very, very funny. <laughs> I love that skit. It is. It's really funny. I actually, my grandmother, I don't remember her very well. I do mm. remember her. I was only two and she spoke only Italian, but mm. I do remember the scenario of how, of how that went. And what I love about like opening up with a laugh and a joke is mm. as we're going into three and four and five and six mm. seasons, yep. When I listen to our podcast and I hear us laughing, it just makes me like really want to continue listening. As right. much as I love facts and figures and I want to hear statistics, I mean, we have a great, we have a really good show, as you know, who I'm thinking of right now. Well, we might be a little um, bit biased, but that's okay. <laughs> We're allowed to yeah, be. <laughs> yeah, right. And you, and you remember, you remember the show where he said, we have a really good show. I can't imitate Ed Sullivan, yes. but you know who I'm talking about. A really big obviously. show. But, that was it. That was it. And what I love about our BU moment is we're talking about like us in the moment. So right. if we're in a happy mood, you know, we portray that, we give up perspective. Uh, we'll share a little bit about like physically, where are you? Where are you standing right now? What are you wearing? I, didn't ask you that. <laughs> I am in my, I'm, you know, I, as you know, I was in, uh, I was in Toronto for a little bit for a few days, spending some time with family and I'm now back in Ottawa and, you know, we got together while I was in Toronto. So that was, that was pretty awesome. And, uh, mm. and I'm now back in Ottawa and I'm in my office slash recording studio and it's, I'm, I'm in yoga type where I, you know, meditated this morning, did a little bit of movement to get, get the energy moving and, and that sort of thing. And just to, you know, really wake my body up so that by the time we get on the microphone and start talking to people or to each other, I'm, I'm fully awake and I'm, it's, and I don't have to, and my energy is good and I'm in a calm, but fun place. So that's where I'm at today. Awesome. Awesome. How about, how about Thank you? you. 
Well, every day, thank you for asking. I'm in my bedroom. Every day is a little bit different, but mm -hmm. it was brought to my attention today that I maybe should have t had a little bit more activity so that my patience of an aunt didn't <laughs> uh, kick in so early in the morning because I hit the ground running. Like my eyes are open before they're open. I visualize myself doing everything before right. I do it. And while I'm sitting doing something, I'm already pretty much done that. Yep. The point, I actually meditate twice a day and I do yoga and exercise. Like I have ramped up, vamped up what I'm doing since right. I'm home because I really need to ground myself because I, you know, I have no boundaries. That's just mm. how I live. So right. I'm in my bridge room <laughs> and I'm looking to push the walls out of this room too while I'm here. It's like, what, <laughs> what can we do? I'm, I'm excited. I'm in my, <laughs> I'm in my yoga gear. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a comfortable. Yeah, it's a comfortable I'm way to really be. Really excited for what we. Yeah, it's a comfortable way to be, right? In the yoga, in the yoga gear, it's you feel like you've gotten dressed maybe for the day, oh, yeah. but you're still comfortable clothing. And <laughs> when I had my business in Montreal, I lived in these clothes. It didn't matter like who I was seeing or what mm -hmm. we were doing. That was my gear. So I had 45 pair of black pants, and sometimes they were all the same in the jackets, <laughs> and sometimes it looked. Like I was wearing the same thing, but I wasn't. And when I started to clean out my clothes from that, I realized, wow, I have a lot of the same. And then being Sicilian, have a lot of having <laughs> a lot of black <laughs> never really phased me either. Right. So yes, working out and and playing, knowing you're going to work out in 20 minutes. Like how many times? One day I didn't do this. I changed my clothes four times, and I thought, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. Not again. Just no. Stay in the yeah, not, not only if I have to change because it just the workout was too heavy or, or more rigorous than the previous mm. one. So I'm think, standing in my, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm standing in my power here in the bridge yeah. room and I'm really owning the fact that moving and thinking and, and having this these times, if times of change and meditating is mm. really so empowering for me to be me. Right. What were you going to say? I was going to say that, you know, even it's, it's a little bit more accepted now but I think back in the day when you were in Montreal and, and doing that, that business that it was more accepted for, for women to be hanging out in that type of clothing than mm. it was for men to mm. kind of get, quote unquote, get away with it a little easier. You know, and today now it's a little bit, things are a little bit more, I mean, you see how much more casual even business dress can be. And, yes. um, and, and, and the whole, the rise of personal trainers and home gyms and all of that, there's more men now feeling comfortable, I guess, walking around in that kind of clothing on a regular basis as well. And more accepted, well, I, just I think. Yes. I could just imagine what my father would say mm. about a man wearing pants without a zipper and a belt. <laughs> or a shirt and tie. Oh, yeah. I think more, well, they, yeah, maybe not a tie as much, but like a button-down shirt. Right, and pants. jacket. With the belt. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like that's what was acceptable right. to that era. If that makes sense. Era. Yeah, era. There's my yeah. New York accent coming yeah, era. out. Maybe other people would say era. Era. Yeah, that New York accent comes out. In conclusion of us in our BU moment, what mm. I really enjoy is that we are real about what we're doing at the moment. And it is always about our guests and how wonderful they are. And before we mm -hmm. get into the show, it's great to know a little bit about our headspace and right. where we're at and what we're doing, because, you know, we, we got we to gotta let people know who we are, because exactly. this is 
this is the BU moment, exactly. right? So, exactly. So I have a question for you. Would it make mm-hmm. sense for us to <laughs> jump on over to our guest at this point? Well, I would say that at this time, I do think that it's a really good next step. Perfect. Let's head on over and we'll see you on the other side. Be you study. Be more at ease in your communication so you too can have conversations worth having. What is BU Study? A private, online room to rehearse impromptu speaking. Receive instant feedback and achieve quick results. And feel confident that no one is laughing, unless you're telling a joke. Plug in anytime, anywhere. Study with seasoned pros. Access your customized feedback. Then speak with ease and build amazing relationships. Dr. Energy, this is a day that I have been waiting for you too. Absolutely. It's been a, f- been a few months that we've been looking forward to this one, I think. Well, I met James in August in Salt Lake City, and it's been since then, actually, because somehow in my mind, in our minds, we had that feeling that this would be an amazing moment for us. And here we are. Look at how those things happen, manifestation. Here we are, what, 25 (laughs) episodes later or something like that? Seven months later, we're honored to have James here with us. I would like to tell you a little bit and tell our audience a little bit about James. First, what I'll do is I'll read what I have, and then I'm going to share some of the more personal observations. (laughs) Yes, because I had the pleasure. I had the pleasure of of meeting James and listening to him. So first, I'll share with you that James Muir is the founder and CEO of Best Practice International and the best-selling author of the number one book on closing sales, The Perfect Close. James is a 30-year veteran of sales, having served in every role from individual contributor to executive VP. His mission is to make the complex simple. James has extensive background in healthcare, where he has sold to and spoken for the largest names in technology, and healthcare, including HCA, Tenet, Catholic Healthcare, Banner, Dell, IBM, and others. Those interested in learning a method of closing that is zero pressure mm. involves just two questions and is successful 90% of the time <laughs> can reach him at puremuir.com. James Muir stands on stage and he talks about the perfect close. Yes. And when I heard James say that, and I knew I was reading the program and I saw what he was going to like do, he, stand, yep. he stands up there and uh, he had my attention, you know, at hello. <laughs> you had me at hello. <laughs> you had me at hello. And when James was talking, I couldn't take notes fast enough. I knew I was, I was taking pictures. I'm thinking, how am I going to see this again? I'm going to buy his book. I'm going to take his picture. I'm going to shake his hand. I couldn't wait. I think I went online like twice to go and meet him. I couldn't wait to get there. It was amazing how people flocked to him 
for more than what he did in terms of writing with his book, for who he is, for right. the magnetism that James has. James, I want to welcome you. We want to both yes, welcome, welcome you to BU Network podcast. Thank you oh. for joining us. Oh my gosh, you just made my day with that introduction. You are so kind. <laughs> it's great to be with you guys. <laughs> Thank you. It's great to be with you and to have seen you on stage. It must be a natural thing for you to do. You're an author, you're a presenter, you're a speaker, you're an educator. Can I ask you, when you were on stage at, in Salt Lake City at Sendell Cards Convention, uh-huh. how was that audience? How, was, how were we for you? Oh, my gosh. I, what, what I, and I, um, I will change my content just ever so slightly this next time when we'll talk about referrals. But um, it's the most authentic group of, of people I've ever presented to, hands down, mm-hmm. hands down. Wow. And so uh, usually I'm speaking in front of a, more of a corporate audience, right? And they're... they're I mean, they're authentic. I don't want to dis, you know, discount that. But at the same time, um, you can tell when you're talking to a person, you get a vibe about whether or not they genuinely have your in, you know, best intentions uh, mm-hmm. or not. And every single person I met at that organization and that, at that event had that vibe. And uh, so I really, I really enjoyed it, which is why I agreed to come back again. I mean, um, it's just a, it was a phenomenal event and I really like the audience and the people and uh, I really like what um, they're doing. And so uh, I, I want to continue to support that. That's just, oh, it's just like we were just talking about off air just before we came on, on live here that, you know, you get a certain energy from, from an audience that, you know, and, and it becomes a, a, a feedback to the audience and from the audience for the person up on stage presenting. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is um, it, there's certain places in uh, my presentation, and I just happened to mention a, 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 a air story where I had I've been on an airplane and it was all jammed up and there was this kid kind of stuck with it. And you know, it, people react to it differently. Everybody in that group just applauded wildly when we explained just helping this person get her son and her baby all the way down to the back of the plate. It's just really funny. And that tells you a lot about the audience in the first yes. few, few minutes. Well, James, there was something about the way that you deliver. Obviously you're a pro, you are a master at that and how you deliver the content and how you talk about it. I don't know how many times you've delivered that that presentation, but when it comes to the perfect close, who doesn't want to know about that? Can you tell us a little bit about, well, first I'm going to ask you, how did you decide to write that book? So I am an accidental salesperson. I'd never intended to be in sales. And, um, and so, uh, uh, you know, long story short, um, I was an operations person. I got thrust into a sales position because it was needed. And I was terrified by the whole thing. In fact, I used to go out with the salespeople and think, I hope I never have to do that. Right. <laughs> and so here I am, right. And I, I, I'm stuck in, you know, in this job and it was a family business. So it was really up to me to either make or break what was going on in our company which was a lot of pressure. And I remember I had no mentors uh, to go look to, to see, you know, how do I, how am I supposed to do this? What's the right way to do this? So I started reading books and, um, and I've read, you know, just tons and tons of books. And on closing, I've read probably every book that there is out there on it. But I will tell you that like almost, I don't know, probably 99% of the uh, techniques that I read about, I could never do and feel authentic about trying to do some of these techniques that they're, I mean, and so I struggled for the longest time. And then I, um, I was with a client, we, we had, and I, and they were struggling because they had been burned by somebody in the past. And I said, Hey, well, does it make sense for me to just analyze all your stuff for you and help you understand, you know, where the, where, where the upside would be and all that. And, and all these deals that I had in my pipeline were all just kind of 
stuck. They were not getting over the finish line. And it was, a, it was, a, there was, I won't lie. It was a very high pressure time for the company mm-hmm. because um, a, a, uh, a former sales guy had taken all our clients with him. He had Ooh. left. Right. And so here I am. So I, um, anyway, and they, and they said, yes. And so I um, later I thought, wait a minute. Now why everybody else I met with just kind of kept, you know, languishing, not going anywhere, but these guys decided to move forward. And I, I finally just analyzed it and realized it was that, does it make sense for me to, <laughs> and then, the, and then the, and offer to help them. And, and mm-hmm. that is the thing. So I, I wrote the book for me, but of course later I managed my own teams and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I found that a, a bunch of folks really struggle with that part of the process, just like right. I did. And so, step, right? yeah, it's just a way for me to share um, what has you know been my experience. I mean, I was a technical person, and a lot of people that are domain experts there, that they they tell me that that's the part of the business that they hate the most is the selling part of it and getting commitment. And so that's the reason um, that I created all that. So I don't know if that answered your question, Rara, but um, yes, no, it definitely it it definitely answers my question because I'm thinking here you are with this book that everyone is attracted to. It's a magnet for whether somebody's in sales or not, as understanding the perfect close from the perspective of, I wanna know if the person speaking to me has the perfect close, right? It's up to, to me to decide if they're gonna sell me as well. So we can take the sale on two sides. Yeah, I think the beauty of the whole thing is, this is not a book that you would not be, uh, you would be willing to give this to your customer and have them read it and say, this is how I want to do this. And they would be completely in alignment with uh, that approach because you're just trying to help. That's it. That's what we are is we're, we're coaches. We're um, facilitators trying to help them reach a goal of some kind. Right. And there shouldn't be any hesitation in that. In fact, it should be motivating in its right. own right. Cause we're, we're helping. Right. You've got their, you've got their best interests at heart rather than your own. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. James, I really love when you, talked about and the way you explained it, I don't even want to be the one to say it. When you talk about meeting the customer where they're at, it coming from you would just be so much more effective. Would you mind, (laughs) would you mind sharing that little bit with us? You bet. Well, there's a, there's a deep meaning to what you just said there. Right. And I would say the golden rule of really all sales engagement, marketing engagement is to meet the customers where they're at. Not where we're at, not where we want them to be, but where they're at. And um, a lot of times in selling, where the customer is usually at is they may not be aware that they have a problem. They may not be aware of how big the problem is. And so it's what's important for us to do is just to, you know, we, we, we're going to take our best guess about, you know, where we can best help. And then we're going to just ask them in a very you know, non-confrontational, no pressure way, you know, does it make sense for me to help you here or there and, and see what we get. And um, the deeper, uh, I want to say deeper, the other meanings of that though, of meeting the customer with their eye also applies to where do they hang out? Do they hang out on podcasts? Do they hang out on YouTube? Do they hang out on, you know, Facebook? Where, where what are the channels that they meet? And again, that's mm-hmm. the same thing. We, we may not be, I mean, there was, I remember before I even wrote the book, I had, I wouldn't, I wasn't even on Facebook. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, so my coach told me, you know, you're going to have to set up an account and here, you know, I thought, Oh wait, I want to have a private life. I don't want. Right. <laughs> but I'll just say, if you're an author, you, you realize that the idea that you're going to get any kind of privacy at all is out the window as soon as you write a book. So, um, just, you just don't ever do anything or post anything on social media. You wouldn't want broadcast to the world and your life will be right. way better. Right. 
But um, uh, where, where I was going with that is you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I have, there's the maximum number of connections on LinkedIn is 30,000. And that's what I have. So every time mm -hmm. I want to add somebody, I have to take somebody off. Uh, uh, but when I published the book, I asked both audiences, right? My LinkedIn audience and my Facebook audience, which was very small. Like it was way less than a thousand. Um, it, it, you know, would, would they help me with my book and all this kind of stuff? And I got probably a hundred times more traction with just a thousand friends on Facebook than I did with 30,000 on LinkedIn. Wow. And that tells you that quality matters in relationships yes. matters more than quantity by a long shot, by a long shot. Wow. Right. That is, that definitely says a lot. Don't, don't bump me off LinkedIn if we're on there, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't do that. I won't do that. Yeah. I wish I was a little more discerning. I, before, I didn't realize there was a, 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 um, a limit. And so I, I was just accepting that. that. Yeah. Anybody that wanted to connect with me, I accepted it. And up to the point where I got maxed out and I'm like, Oh no. So, you know, you know, every you know, once a month or so I have to go through and set of call the ones that, you know, aren't really active. Right. right. You, you said something there too to James about meeting people where they're at and, and, you know, meeting them on the channels they're at. And to me, it, it, it the analogy that I like to think of is a lot of times, and I've had this experience, you know, as a, as a, as a chiropractor, I get a lot of people coming in the office, you know, trying to cold call me, wanting to sell me this, that, and the other thing, the latest, greatest health product. Oftentimes they, they want to just jump right into the sale, like right into the fast lane. And they don't realize that the person they're talking to might still be on the front porch or even in the house, like they're, they're not even close to being in the fast lane or, and we, our, our job, I think is not to get people to go A to Z the first time we meet them. It's A to B. Yeah. And right. let, let me amplify that a little bit. Um, what is a really common challenge for anybody who's either, you know, entrepreneurs sales is that we're really experienced with what we do, but the customer isn't. So to us, it seems like it's taking forever to get to the end because we know what's going to happen next, but we need to, like you said, meet the customer where they're at. And it may be interesting uh, for your audience to, to know there's actually um, six different basic segments that the customer goes through before they make any kind of a decision. Even if the decision happens in minutes, they go through all of these. And the first is um, they, they, they is an awareness stage. They say, hey, do I really have a problem here? And then if they decide that they do have a problem, then what they do is they start to guess, well, really, is this big enough that I have to do something about, right? So they start to define the, the sort of the, how, the size of the problem. If they decide it really is big enough to do something about, then they start to consider their different ways of solving it. And, that, and those ways can be very broad, right? If I, um, uh, if I uh, have a travel problem, I could buy a car, but I could also ride a bike, I could carpool, I could walk. There's lots of different alternatives other than buying a car. So you wouldn't want to assume if you're a car salesperson that you would, you know, customers at that stage thinking about getting a car. If they decide they're getting a car or, or whatever method, right, carpooling is the right way to go, then they start looking in that category for the best in that category. And that's usually where salespeople most make the mistake is they start spilling all their you know, info about their particular solution when the customer might be all the way back at, is this really a problem big enough to do something about? <laughs> you know, if, if they decide they think they figured out which one's the best one, they actually stop and they hesitate for just a second. And they say, wow, is this really worth doing? I'm about to do, I'm about to spend some money on this, or I'm about to spend some time on this. Is that really worth doing it? And if they make it past that, then they, then they start thinking about, you know, what's the best deal I could get. But 
a really common mistake is people lead with the whole deal part. And you got to understand that if the customer doesn't understand that it doesn't even aware that they really have a problem that they need to solve, it won't matter what your cost is, right? You're, you're meeting them at the wrong place in the buyer's journey. So um, yeah, I, I think that's a very insightful what you, uh, what you said. So um, that's, uh, that's sort of me amping it up a level, Joe. I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. It's, that's great information. James, when you wrote this book and you created the workbook, what was your intention? I know you said that you didn't expect to, to I guess, be what it is right now, but did you, did you have a specific intention? Because look where it went. Yeah, well, to be honest with you, um, it, it is one of the more important things uh, that I had discovered that people have challenged. When I manage my own salespeople um, and, and subject matter experts, where these are the smart people that would go out with the salespeople and try to answer the really difficult questions that it's hard. You know, sometimes it takes a lifetime to learn these things. And so we'd pair them up and go out. But um, I would find that the subject matter experts and the salespeople often struggle with that particular piece. And very often the problem is the same problem that I had, which was I, every technique that I've ever been taught, I just couldn't feel congruent about it. And uh, it might surprise um, your listeners to know that about 50 to 90% of all actual sales encounters or meetings actually end with no commitment being asked for at all. Wow, that high. Right? It's, it, it varies by industry, but 50 is actually the low number, right? And literally, that's the reason we're meeting. So it, and so you think, well, why is that? And if you ask me why that was, I would say that it's just because most of the ways that they've been taught how to do it are all manipulative. And they just don't. Mm. And, um, and I would say it's not that they're afraid to ask. It's just that they know that all those manipulative techniques damage trust. And we would, we don't want to damage trust. Mm. And so rather than, than use a technique that's going to damage trust, they just don't do anything. That's what happens. Right. And so I, I wanted to share this way that I, you know, accidentally uh, uncovered with these other folks so they don't have to feel incongruent when, you know, they, instead of using some crazy alternate choice clothes or, or some other manipulative technique, they can just, you know, authentically be themselves. They don't have to change their personality. They can, you know, they can just right. be who they are and ask an honest question about what, what they can do to help the customer. And when they do that, the, the customer can sense your intention, they can sense that you're trying to help. And what ends up, that ends up creating the uh, um, progress in the sale. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, every sale's a little different, but some take a lot of steps and some take just a few steps. But what mm -hmm. the Perfect Close does is it helps us get a little step each time at the pace that the customer's ready for. It's when we go faster than they're ready for, that's when they start to feel like they're being manipulated. Right. We want to avoid that. And do you think that this is a common mistake that a salesperson makes is taking their pace as the pace? Oh, <laughs> that is such a huge, I mean, it's got to be right up there in the top three. Uh, of, and I, we call it, um, you know, selling from the fire hose where they get in with the customer <laughs> and they're so worried that they're not going to get all their info across that they just spray everything out there that they could get, right? Hoping that they're, you know, one of the things they say is going to uh, hit the spot. Right. But see, that's not the right way. The better way to do it right. the is just approach, right? Yeah, it's just to ask the customer what, where the spot is, <laughs> and then, and then you don't have to say everything there is. You make you know, and, and give them at a hundred miles an hour. You can just right. be slow and 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 take it at the pace that they're ready for, because they'll tell you the bullseye if you just listen. Mm, and what about the salesperson? It's just petrified about that rejection, and they don't want to hear the no. They just they feel that that's just going to be another you know another hit on them. Like, how do we talk to that salesperson and, and let them know how to cope with that? Really, the best thing to do is just teach them a way 
to ask for a commitment that doesn't won't cause them to get rejected. And that's what the perfect mm -hmm. close is. And I hope if you want, I mean, I hope we can share the questions with your audience so that they can. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So, yeah. So um, just so you know, um, I mean, and then, then they got some value out of listening to the podcast. You don't even know, you, need, you don't even need to go get the book. Right? <laughs> so um, so now's, the time, now's the time to take notes, right? So maybe before we tell you what the two questions are is, um, is for, before you go to any meeting, you should have an idea of what you hope is going to happen. Right. And, um, and so uh, we call those in the book in advance because what the data shows is that's really a lot of little steps on the way to the big step. And so a, a, there's an ideal advance, so it would be the best thing that could happen. And then you want to have a couple of alternative advances prepared. That is, you know, fallbacks or other things that you could do besides, you know, the best one. If you've got those prepared, then you can go into any meeting and you can get about a 95% success rate by wow. using the two questions. And the, the first question is, does it make sense for us to X? And we've already kind of alluded to it a couple of times. But, it, and so it, let's just say I was gonna do an assessment for your, mm -hmm. you know, your sales team or your marketing. Um, I would just say, hey, does it make sense, you know, for us to schedule an assessment to see what our best options are? Right. Very simple, very non-pushy, right? And um, there's only two things that they can say. They're going to say yes or they're going to say no. If they say yes, awesome. We will get our calendars and we'll schedule something. If they say no, then there's um, a, the kindergarten version is just to ask, throw the ball right back to them and just say, hey, okay, well, what do you think is a good next step then? And, and I have been on literally almost a thousand ride-alongs now. And what I can tell you is that in 90% uh, of cases, the client will suggest a very logical next step for where they're at in their process, mm -hmm. right? So if you didn't get it right and guess what you thought was appropriate, that's okay. You can just throw them the ball and they'll, they'll send that back to you. And so those are the two questions. So that, that's the basic version is, does it make sense for us to X? And if they say no, then you say, well, what do you think is a good next step? Okay, that alone will take you, you know, they'll get you success 90% of the time. Wow. Now, um, there's, it's the, the subtlety of that question is just so subtle. We should just tell your audience um, why it's different. Because if you don't say it quite the right way, <laughs> you'll, get it, you'll get it wrong and it won't, it won't work. So let me just, so what we're doing is we're saying, does it make sense? And when we ask a client, does it make sense? And they say no. What have they really said no to? Did they say, no, I'm not going to buy? Or they, did they say, no, I'm not going to do what you want? No, because we didn't actually ask them to do that. All we really asked was if it made sense. Okay. Right. And so at its core, does it make sense is actually a timing question. It's not an, mm -hmm. it's not a direct commitment question. It's just a timing question. And so that means a customer actually can't reject the action. They can only reject the timing of it. And that's fine because we don't always know the appropriate timing that a client has. So, um, but the, the good part is that they can actually see the direction that we're headed, but we haven't actually asked for a commitment yet. And what that does is that leaves us emotionally on much, much higher ground, no matter what their answer is, right? It's totally non-confrontational and zero pressure for the, for the client. And so um, that's the, if just those two things, and there's other variations that you can do to help the clients. Like if you have clients that, that uh, whatever you sell, they don't buy it very often, maybe mm -hmm. once in a lifetime, you can suggest to them what the, th what the next step is. Right. So you could say, you know, other clients at this stage sometimes do this. Does it make sense for us to do that? Right. And in that case, we're just facilitating them if they're not really sure what the next step is. And that happens with really complex things or things that people don't buy very often. People they need want to help. People want to know that people like us do this type of thing. Yeah, this yeah, exactly. I mean, as a chiropractor, I, yeah. I have the foggiest clue when I go in there, what, right? I mean, right. I assume you do some kind of diagnosis and all that, but I don't mm -hmm. know those things. Right. So that's the, that's the, 
the, um, yeah, that's the part where if you're helping me, tell me what the next step is, then that helps guides me through to get to the, to the end result. And that's really all we're doing is we're trying to help them reach a goal. And we're focusing on the timing, not the actual sale, whereas the salesperson will say, uh, so let's give us the not so perfect close so that someone can relate to that. So oh, there's oh, so yeah, many. I want them to see themselves. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, the, the most direct way of, would be saying, hey, will you buy this? Um, mm. But that's not usually what you hear. What you hear is these, these, all these different um, uh, techniques, like the, an alternate choice close is, hey, um, you know, hey, Rara, do you want, do you want the blue one or do you want the red one? <laughs> okay. So it's a loaded question. It doesn't matter what you answer. Right. But see, the thing is people know yes. that you're, that you're doing that to them. Right. Um, another one is, you know, you haven't really agreed that you want this yet. And I say, Hey, where do you want it shipped to? Okay, they, they call that the assumptive close again. Well, wait a minute. I didn't say I wanted this yet. And you're asking me where I want it shipped to. Right. Mm. And that's going to create incongruence between you and them. Right. Another one is where people create artificial um, deadlines that don't exist. Like, Hey, you know, prices are going up on Thursday. Right. You don't want to miss out on this, do you? And here's the thing. Um, if they're not ready, again, that's that whole buyer's journey we just talked about. Right. Mm -hmm. if, if I start talking about the terms and the pricing, but mm -hmm. you're still defining how big your problem is, you're going to come off as being pushy. Anytime we anytime we try to address the customer further along in the buyer's journey than where they're really at, then it comes off as being pushy. Right. Even if it's unintentional, by the way. So um, we want to the, do that. It's back to that golden rule. We want to meet the customer where they are. Right. right. Ask them so that they have a say, obviously, and they tell us and we listen to them, not that we ask them and we say the next thing that we think we should say, but listen to what the customer is. Boom, is. right? Be 100% yeah. present yes. in the answer that they give you because you can't take the next step without listening to what mm -hmm. they're saying and, what, and, and feeling where they're at, right? And those answers are going to guide you through the whole process. Yeah. It's a much more... Uh, collaborative team approach to to the whole process rather than like you say assumptive or directing and telling them what to do it's just you're actually listening to what they're saying and what their needs are and this here's the thing and and maybe we should create a sales manifesto somewhere that says we will never sell a thing to a client that doesn't really need it and mm. really can't benefit from it mm. and so what you just got to there is that um some people will try to they just want your money they don't really right. care about you or any of that. Yep. But, but let me just tell you, anybody who may be listening or if you even had that thought, life is going to be very unfun for you mm -hmm. if you take that perspective because yes. you will never feel good. But on the flip side, if you authentically are helping people, you'll end up with fans all over the place. Mm -hmm. And those, those clients will help you get other clients because you genuinely created real value for them and you helped right. them. Um, it's when we do it from a self-serving perspective, right? If yep. you trick a person into buying, you might get the money one time, but not only is that wrong, but yeah. it is, it is also, um, uh, those clients tend to be the biggest pain in the rear, right? They're mm -hmm. the hardest ones to work with. They have they're the most challenging. You don't yep. want that. So just go into the sale, understanding, look, tabula rasa, blank slate. Can I, I hope I can help these guys. If you can't, direct them to where, to someone who can help right. you. If you can, then again, we just meet them where they're at and we get them coached through the process until we, until we can actually add some real value for them. And that, and that directing them to somebody, if you can't, if they're, if what you have isn't what they're looking for, but you can direct them to what they are looking for like that. You've already, you've just built a raving fan because you Joe, still help them at some level. 
Joe, let me tell you a mind blowing story that validates what you just sure. said there. That'd be awesome. Is um, I'm working with a uh, in healthcare space. It's a it's it's a medical records and practice mm -hmm. management. It's very complex software. Right. And so I had this one lady. We went and met with her, and I told her I just don't think you know. After we learned what what she does and what she needed to do, mm -hmm. I said I don't I don't think we're a match. But let me tell you who I think would be a good match for you. Okay. And so I directed her to a couple different places where she could go. Two years later i get a call from the cio of the largest health system in arizona and they're outside of arizona as well yeah. and um and this uh guy tells me that this lady referred me okay <laughs> now he's a cio and this is a giant and i'll long story short we sold at that time it was the biggest one deal we'd ever done it was about five million and over the next four years they purchased another five million dollars worth of stuff wow. so that my my just walking away instead of mm -hmm. trying to push her into my opera, my deal and my yep. stuff. She, she referred me. It came back. Karma takes a while sometimes, right? Sometimes. It's a law gestation, right? And it finally came back uh, to me two years later, but in so much more mag I mean, I, think about, I don't, I don't remember what her, you know, the amount of her sale would have been, right. but it was so much better just to do the right thing and have that come back to me. Right. And that, so that is just a, a minor example of what of validating what you just said. Yeah. It's, and it's incredible. Just, what would happen if we talk to the, the owners or the team leaders that are listening today and they have two perhaps problems with some of the salespeople. One is the salesperson that has the bad habit that we're trying to break <laughs> because that's just a bad habit or the salesperson that won't take the next step. Sure. So that the, those in the in the management world, we call that skill and will, right? So skill is knowing what to say or how to say it or how to ask, and then will is the desire to ask. And usually, if you figure out, you got to get to the root cause about why they're not willing to ask. Mm -hmm. And in my case, when I was new to sales, it was just because I didn't want to damage trust, and that was keeping me from asking. Okay. So once we just show them a way that you can ask where you, we can remain authentic to your own personal values, mm -hmm. usually that hesitation will go away. And then the other thing is to change their understanding of um, if they're, you know, if they're not willing, it's to change their understanding of what selling is because selling is not about persuasion or convincing or any of that, right? Selling is serving. And, um, and, uh, I mean, I, I could give you a couple stories that change that paradigm, but the short version is that selling is serving, right? And in healthcare, we sometimes see, we get to see that at a more up close level than other industries because the things we sell sometimes save lives, right? They right. help people out. And, uh, and so uh, when you start to see them that way, you start to realize all you're doing is helping and there should be no hesitation in that. In, in, you know, no different than if you saw someone that needed help walking across the street that you would help them without hesitation, right? Mm -hmm. And so selling is the same thing. If you understand the value that you bring in, you can help a person. There shouldn't be any hesitation. You should be excited to help them. But again, we still have to go at the pace that the customer's ready for because they're all, you know, each client is gonna be at a different stage in their development of where they're at progress-wise. If you have a story, James, please tell us. <laughs> well, the, the one I shared, yeah, well, I shared the one, the one at, uh, um, at, at the conference is about Kaiba Gianfrido. And if you didn't know about Kaiba is, he was born with a tracheal defect. And th that tracheal defect actually caused him to stop breathing almost every day after he reached about six weeks old. And so his parents were doing CPR on him every day. Wow. 
Wow. Right. And the ordinary doctors, they didn't think he was going to make it. And um, it would happen anywhere. It would happen, you know, um, in a grocery store, in a movie. It happened in a car once, moving car once. I had to pull over and do CPR on this kid. And, um, and they saw a ton of doctors, right? But because it was a birth defect, they just didn't think there was anything that was going to be able to be done. And, you know, ordinary doctors thought he's just, they're just not going to catch it one of these times. Right. right? And so eventually they made, they uh, got to a guy named Dr. Glenn Green at a university of Michigan CS Mott's children's hospital. And what this guy had done is he had developed this amazing uh, biodegradable 3d printed medical stuff that could a, a splint that could possibly be applied to Kyba's trachea and maybe save his life. But the problem is that it wasn't FDA approved. It had never been done. They had never intended it to be done on a child either. They thought it was right. going to be, you know, some kind of adult. And, um, and so he had to go some, to some really great lengths to try to get approval. And they, ultimately they found a, an emergency provision at the FDA and they got approval to try and use that tracheal splint to save Kaiba. And so for the first time they did the procedure, not on an adult like they had planned, but on an infant. And uh, fortunately, that very first procedure was a success. And so that, that biodegradable 3D printed medical split actually saved Kaiva's life. And so it's an emotional story, right? And, and you marvel with gratitude at the lengths that we're gone to to try to help this child and we can all sense and connect with the goodness of it. And when we see stuff like that, we say, yeah, I'm part of humanity, right? That's, yes. we, we like to call ourselves part of humanity when we see that. Yes. And we say to ourselves, hey, if I could save a life that way, I would do it, right? Without hesitation, like, like right. helping a person across the street, we would do it without hesitation. Here's the thing. When you hear that story, you, you, all of that is true, but most people don't realize that there was actually a cell involved in that. <laughs> the, CT, the MRI scans that were possible, um, all that cost money, the 3D printers, the biodegradable materials to print with, all that stuff costs money. Yeah. And so the guy that actually made that cell is named Scott Hollister, right? And so, um, and, and the funny thing is, do you think that, I mean, is anybody upset that a cell was made? Nope. Well, no, right? We're grateful, <laughs> right? That his parents and <laughs> Yeah, of course, right? And so this, this type of cell starts to reveal to us more clearly what selling is, right? Yeah. Um, in, in, instead of thinking, hey, we're doing this as something self-serving, you start to see what it really is, and that is that selling is an act of service. We're trying to help the other person out. Right. And so not every solution is as glamorous as you know, saving lives and things like that. But the truth is, every single thing that we provide either helps a person achieve a goal, fulfill a dream, or avert some kind of crisis, right? And uh, it, so it doesn't matter whether it's big or whether it's small. What we're really doing is we're helping a person move from where they're at to where they want to be. And so um, in that sense, uh, because it is service, it shouldn't be stressful for us. Unless, unless helping a, you know, some person across the street would, would be stressful for you, right? right. We, we, it should be no hesitation at all. In fact... Um, it's, it's inherently motivating in its own right, because when we actually help a person and we can see the result of the help that we did, that's, that's exciting, yes. right? That's exciting. And so um, that's really the, that's usually a similar story like that one that I used. If folks are hesitating to ask, I said, understand that you're, you know, you're needing to sell, you're right. I realize right. you're an entrepreneur, right? You're very technical. You can do the thing, but you're actually help, you're helping people when you sell. And so um, that, that's usually a paradigm shifting understanding of selling that once you do that, people don't have a hesitation. They don't, you know, they don't, they're not uh, afraid to ask, you know, does it make sense for us to help in some and, way? And I think that's one of the big things in our culture today is people are really, 
and I think, I don't know if it's driven by the quote unquote millennial generation or not, because I know that one of the big things for the millennial generation is to be able to make a difference and have a, have a big reason why they're doing what they're doing. They want to know why are they doing what they're doing. And I think when we connect that serve, that, that sense of service and serving each other to everything that we do, it just makes a huge difference. hundred percent. 100%. And what, what we're really doing is they they have a need that, you know, I'd say it's a very positive development in mm-hmm. generationally that we want to be 100% aligned with the work that we're doing and the things that we're doing to help other people. Yeah. I, there's, there's, um, there's a quote you mentioned about uh, selling not being convincing or, or anything like that. And there's, there's, there's a, isn't there a quote about a man convinced against his, his will, will remains unconvinced? That's right. A man convinced of, against this will is of the, of the same opinion still. That's right. 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 So, <laughs> so it just tells us, you know, you could try and convince somebody all you want, but they're still, even if they agree with you, they're probably not really agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah. So what is that? What, if we amplify what you just said, yeah. that means that those, those other techniques, they cannot work. Right. And right. they work. If we're trying to convince them against their will, we can't, you know, it's not going to happen. So the, the thing is, sometimes these dysfunctional practices are used and the customer wants what you have bad enough that they'll still tolerate it, right? right. And so there, there can be some success. And I think that creates confusion in the sales industry. Um, but the truth is, you are winning despite that, not because of that. <laughs> is there a saying that says you can't say the wrong thing to the right person? <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I agree. I think if your there intentions you know. are right, you could butcher the technique. If they could tell that you're really trying to help, they'll give you plenty of chances to swing at the plate. James, let me ask you a personal question because you have the answers on the perfect clothes. When you're at home, do you get your way all the time? (laughs) My wife can pick it up a mile away, right? Hey, does it make sense for us to go see this movie, right? Does it make sense? It totally works. It totally, I mean, yeah, you can use the perfect clothes. Uh, It doesn't have to be business. Right. But yeah, she's on to me. Uh, And and what about the rest of your family? Yeah, they all do. I mean, they all do. I mean, my, my boys love to make fun of me all the time. So, I mean, anyway, it's good that we have that kind of, I mean, my relationship with my wife and my kids are so much better than, I mean, uh, than my relationship with my parents. And I don't know if that's true for everybody generationally, but um, I just, uh, I really appreciate and enjoy the relationship I have with my boys because they, they feel bold enough to, to ridicule me a little bit. <laughs> oh, then I have the perfect family set up then. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come to your house for Thanksgiving then. <laughs> oh, yes. You'll see it in action. <laughs> I didn't realize that that was, that was a, a notch on the totem or a, a, what would you call that? Oh, notch on the belt? A notch on the belt that that's, that means that I've made it and I'm there because we're so open with one another. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. It's definitely good, right? In, uh, in my, uh, where I grew up, um, we would just like pretend like stuff wasn't happening. We were in like right. complete denial, just right. quiet about it, like pretend like it wasn't happening. So that doesn't happen. Everybody's calling it out when it happens and make fun of each other a little bit. In fun. In, in my Sicilian family, we don't pretend anything. <laughs> <laughs> that means you're all being authentic with each other, which is oh, good, right? Absolutely. What you see is what you get. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think that's what everybody wants. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. James, let me ask you about the workbook. Just want to, like, because some people might think there's a book, and I don't know if they know that there's a workbook. Can you talk to us a little bit about when you created that? I mean, that's a, that is a, an entire university course, in my opinion. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that's very kind. We worked, we worked very hard on that. And its purpose, that is, in fact, the workbook uh, that we use when I do 
corporate events, right? Mm -hmm. And so prior to me publishing that on Amazon, you have to pay a couple grand per person to get that content. But what um, uh, it's, it's my passion to take the dysfunctionality out of selling, right? And that's probably a really high lofty goal because it's going to take a long time before yeah. the world comes around. But, um, and so what was happening is I was not able to do all the events in a year that I, that I would like to do. And so I have to turn down clients. And so this was my way of a, of a person or a company that wanted to run their own workshop could just get the workbook, you know, for their teams. Right. And it tells you, literally, it walks you through every single workshop. It is really how to run the same workshop that I run, um, but you could do it on your own with your own people. That's awesome. It's such a valuable um, resource for people to be able to have to, uh, to do that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, they, they can just get one copy I mean, I'm probably talking myself out of a cell here. They could just get one <laughs> copy. There's a link in it that right. will let you go download all the worksheets on PDFs. Wow. And so you really, uh, you know, a, a company that maybe only have two salespeople, you couldn't afford to have me come out anyway. So you could go get the workbook, download all the work forms, run your own workshop. You'd, you'd, you know, you, the teacher always learns more than the student anyway, right? Right. And so you'd learn some and your, your staff would learn some too. That's, you know, that's one of been one of the, the biggest things in, in my career as a chiropractor and also in public speaking is turning around and teaching what I've learned. Um, it just, because it really clarifies what you've learned and where you still need to, to work on in order to continue growing. Yep. Yep. It's a whole, it's a whole process right there. So that's, that was the intent I don't know if that's, um, but uh, I mean, I have other friends that what they do mm -hmm. is they still distribute their workbooks on Amazon, but they just, they just turn them on briefly right. and they have their clients go get them. And then Amazon does a fulfillment. And I, I just left it there all the time because um, I can't get to all the, right. There's only so many events you can do in a year anyway. So right. this just allows me to, you know, touch more people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, and the, the whole idea of allowing people to do that, you know, like, well, again, one of my mentors said to me, I can't put my hands and adjust every person that needs to get adjusted. But by teaching other chiropractors to do that, I can reach more, I'm reaching more people. And that sounds like kind of where you're at. 100% with, with that. Yeah, that is exactly the, the, the mentality. And so, um, in fact, I've tried to, this next year, my goal is to do less events and more writing so that I can create because you can reach more people with books and things like that than you can. Podcasts. One -on -one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is a one to many channel, right? This is a great way to reach to a lot of folks. Exactly. And that's, and that's part, part of the reason, you know, when, when Rara and I started this, we were, we were thinking, how, how can we reach more people? How can we get across the importance of people being the best of themselves, the be you being yourself. And, it was like, let's do a podcast. And here we are, like I said, 25, 30 episodes later and having a blast getting to meet so many amazing people and hear great stories and building all these amazing relationships. Yeah. And the message is authentic like, too. I love that about your podcast. Well, thank you. It seems like the natural thing to do, right? It is to share. Right. Once you've once you've experienced something on your own that's helped you in your life, that's what you want to do is just share.
And and I think when Dr. Joe and I were talking, it seemed like we we people were asking us questions. And when they were asking us questions, it just seemed logical, even though we hadn't intended that. It wasn't our intent to post a podcast. Post a podcast, <laughs> but it seemed like why don't why don't we do that? But not to talk, but to have other people come and share their gifts. It just seemed like that would be a much better way to to be of service. Well, it's it's a win win for everybody, right? And that's the that's the irony of serving, is that the person who's doing the serving benefits but the person who's getting served also benefits and so it, it it's actually both people are improved in a virtuous cycle yeah. and there's a secret of life in that little sentence right there <laughs> but I mean yeah. when we when we serve others we're helping ourselves and them at the same time and, and, and so yeah. it makes the whole world a better place when we're that way yes you know, on a note, on a note, before we talk about our BU final moment, I'm a Rotarian, and Rotarian is service above self. And for the last five years, I've really learned a little bit more about that and what that means, because the words by itself bring images to my mind. But when I watch our organization and our and groups of people all over the world serve people above themselves and roll up their sleeves and work in different countries and all the different things that, that lots of organizations do. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just Rotary, but this is the organization that I know firsthand. When I watch that, I understand what service above self really means because some people say, well, you know, this will serve others if, but it's truly like you were talking about earlier, James, and, and giving like the the giving, I was going to say the go-giver, right? Giving <laughs> ourselves, yeah. giving ourselves, doing something for someone else genuinely because it's better for them. That's it. That's it. And here's the thing is when you have the impulse to share, to give or to serve, you need to act on that. That's like a muscle. Yes. And when you do it, hey, maybe it will take two years. Maybe it will take two years for you to get, but you shouldn't do it with the intent of getting something back. Okay. That's, not it doesn't it doesn't work like that right even though reciprocity is a real phenomenon it shouldn't be the your motive yes. so and so when you get the sense that you want to help or you feel like you should serve we need to we need to act on that instead of hold back and thinking oh wait that's going to that's going to take up my time right that's going to mm. I, I will i will have less my life will be somehow smaller if i'm helping this other person yes. you got to when you when you get the impulse you got to act on that and you will be i i don't know another way to say it to say other than say that you'll be blessed because of the um, the results that it benefits you and it benefits the other person, and sometimes you'll see that immediately. Sometimes you'll see it monetarily, but but sometimes not, right? Sometimes it's just going to be mm -hmm. about a relationship and something that will last. Um, I, I've I've had opportunities to help folks that I if I hadn't gone and tried to help, I would have never met a person, and that mm -hmm. turned into a a lifelong you know, relationship that's valuable mm. to me. And there's, um, it doesn't have to get any better than that, right? I don't need, I don't need money that I, no, no amount of money can compensate for the, the, the friends that I've made that way. So anyway, um, I'm just adding to what you said. Ra Thank you. Because it's a belief system. It's a mindset. And if, and if other people can believe, truly believe that, then we would have more people serving. And I, I so appreciate that you can elaborate with us and, and talk mm -hmm. with us about, I feel like this is not a long enough show episode, <laughs> but I would, I know our audience is um, 
going to be completely amazed at all the information that you covered with us today. And, and being an author and being such a great educator and a great speaker and a, and a wonderful friend. You know, we, we developed a friendship. I want to say this before we go into our BU final moment. James, you went above and beyond and truly communicated with me and didn't know me from whatever, Adam, what's the, how's that yeah, expression like that. go? Or Eve. And yeah. you know, for me, Adam or Eve. And you, and you reached out and you answered my questions and you communicated with me on a level that I thought was completely amazing. You, you certainly made me feel great. And I felt comfortable enough to actually ask you to be on our podcast because you were so, you made yourself approachable in a professional way. And I want to thank mm. you for that. Truly, truly thank you because it means so much to me that you were able to do that. And whether you do it all the time or just some of the time, or it was my lucky day, I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> you are so kind. You just gave me goosebumps with all the nice stuff that you just said there. Thank you. I, the truth is I try to be present and I try to be um, authentically of service 100% of the time. I don't always make it, but it's like I was saying, when you, when you get the chance to, to act on that, if you act on it, it, it's like a muscle. You'll get better and you'll get better and you'll get better. And that means the amount that you are able to serve and give will get better and better each time too. So um, thank you so much for the, you, that. I, I, my whole month is made now with that. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be flying for a long time off of that comment. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And this might be a really good time to segue into what we call our BU final moment. So that would be, what came of this conversation today? What is a takeaway that you would like to share with us and our audience from today? Man, you know, I was I was going into it thinking I would talk about just the importance of being your own authentic self. And I, I think that's a, I mean, that you don't need to change. You can just be who you are and be successful. But at the end, there's this whole conversation about serving and how serving others helps you too. I think that's to my, that's my BU moment. It's just that that's a, that's a very deep, deep truth, I think. And it applies to probably a lot of different things in life, not just selling or something like that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. We really appreciate yes. that. Dr. Energy, yes. can you share with us, what is your BU final moment today? The, the one thing, the, the service that James, you just mentioned is, is, is a big thing. And I also liked that you talked about the impulse, the prompting that you have to act out in, in service and in kindness in, in just being nice to people that you know, the times that we're in right now, we're starting to see people do that shopping for their neighbors, they're checking in on them by phone, making sure everybody's okay. That is just, that does, that warms my heart to see people, people doing that and um, being able to witness it. Not only does it make the person who's receiving that service feel good, but anybody witnessing that service gets to be in on it too. And I think that that is you alluded to that when you were talking about service and that just really, really stood out for me. So thank you for sharing that. And Rara, what's your takeaway, your final moment today? Well, first of all, I'm starstruck that James is on here with us. <laughs> so when I get over that, my BU final moment is, oh my God, he's here with us. That's number one. So if I can get past that, I love that we were able to have this conversation about all types of people and their perspective on sales and where someone might have a new school, old school of thought, a new habit, an old habit, or maybe not even be a salesperson at all, but yet be in the job. But what they can do is read James's book, 
-hmm. and learn that there's a skill and a will. My biggest takeaway today is the skill and will. That's awesome. Is that the awesome. right order? Is that the right order, James? Is it, it works either way. It's a rhyme, right? So. <laughs> okay. All right. Awesome. Well, that this is this is um, an amazing conversation. I will listen to this podcast over and over again. <laughs> I got to go back and listen to it so I can take some notes. Oh, yes, you guys are yes. so kind. Well, I have all the books, so um, I can do it all. I can watch it, listen to it, read it, write in it. So I, I can use every sense that I have and absorb this. I really appreciate, we both appreciate what you are doing here for our community, for our world, for the sales world. And we love that you came to our Send All Cards convention yes. and the fact that you're coming back. This, I mean, anyway, I'm there as a VIP. So wherever I have to be, I'm there. I'm going to yeah. have my eyes on you the whole time. And I'm sure that we will be able to encourage many other people, not just because it's a great convention, but to come in to see and hear you. Yes. Well, thank you guys so much. It's been great to be on and I am a hundred percent alignment with your message and your, the theme of your podcast. So uh, it's been you. great to be on. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Sharing is caring. Tell your friends about conversations worth having on BU Network. We really appreciate your reviews and you can do that on Apple Podcast. Thank you. For show notes and links, go to www.b-u.network forward slash podcasts. Connect with us via our website, www.b-u.network, and build a relationship with us. Sign up to receive information, updates, and your free video training at www.b-u.network forward slash pro. We're looking forward to hearing from you. And thank you for being with us. Ciao. Ciao, babies.